lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Mirlich. So first, before we get into the episode, I want to say thanks to all the new listeners. What's we, up, people? Yeah, what's up, people? <laughs> uh, we definitely have uh, had a lot of more new listeners. The one that was cool to me is someone listened in North Dakota. That's cool because that adds one that we haven't had someone listening to before. Do you have like a board in your room where you're marking I off? do, yeah. <laughs> yeah a <laughs> like, little globe boop, and you just put little Dakota, pins in Yeah, little room. pins everywhere. Yeah. So if you want to be a little pin, uh, we still need South Dakota, Wyoming, Idaho, <laughs> Rhode Island, Delaware, and one more place. But North Dakota is just an island over there surrounded yeah. by no pins. <laughs> it was sub- surrounded by nobody. But that's 44 out of 50 states. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I got you were just like, because North Dakota, I'm like, you've said all kinds of different countries that I've been surprised by. <laughs> like- <laughs> still not North Dakota, though. <laughs> For instance, France, Canada, UK, Mexico, Brazil, Jamaica, Germany, Yemen. Costa Rica, Nigeria, Spain, El Salvador, all have been uh, new listeners popping up from there. So I just thought that was really cool. But still no South Dakota. Yemen, but we can't get South Dakota. <laughs> so <laughs> if you know anyone in South Dakota, just send them the podcast. Shoot it across yeah, the state line. It, yeah, so they can listen. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> On that, I guess we could do the more formal, please share the podcast with people you know. It really does help the algorithm and <laughs> it everything really else. Does. It, it really does. It makes a huge difference. Uh, but for everyone who's new listening, we would like to hear from you. Tell us what you like about the show. Uh, if there's an episode you really did enjoy, or if you have any questions, you could email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook group. Chris will be there. I will be there on the Facebook group. I will be there. Yeah. yeah. I just deleted the app. Yeah. Murdoch has issues. Yeah. <laughs> Way too much time spent on yeah. reels. Yeah. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to hop off TikTok and I'll just be on Facebook. And they're just like, why the reels? Like, it's the same on. thing. You do that. And it's the like, worst version, though. At least on TikTok, I'm learning the reels is literally just feeding my stupidity. <laughs> like, there's nothing good in Facebook reels except, like, it's just a time waste. Yeah. You know which are the worst videos? Are the ones the... I send you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are funny. Those are comedy stuff. Uh, the ones were like, uh, here's a different way to cook this meal. And they're just like putting it together. I'm like, that looks absolutely gross. Mm-hmm. But it's something they could do in like two minutes or even less. They do it like for nine minutes. Yeah. And it's just a lot of filler and waste. Those are the worst. Just because you brought up the comedy, I would assume that our listeners, if you don't know about dry bar comedy, dry bar comedy is great. It's clean. Mm-hmm. So like you can watch it. I'm assuming we have a mostly Christian audience, so you would appreciate clean comedy. It's great. They have all kinds of comedians on there and uh, old ones, young ones, different stuff to fit your uh, comedic tastes. Yeah. Actually, yeah, they were really funny. A lot of them, I was like genuinely laughing. My favorite was the the guy who, uh, he was like, I used to make fun of millennials all the time. And then I found out I was one. <laughs> <laughs> you know why that was my favorite? Because you are one? Yeah. And I was like, oh, those millennials. And I'm like, oh, crap. That was I, the same thing my brother, because he's your... <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I fell into that by like a year or two. I felt very bad. I always thought I was like a Gen, Gen Xer. X, yeah. yeah. You're a young Gen X or an old millennial. Yeah. Which makes me like the worst of the combination. <laughs> Explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get it to Zephaniah before I really start getting down on myself. I am going to go to Zephaniah 3. Verse... Are you going to 317? No. Okay. No. 
<laughs> like eventually. that's the one thing that's known from Zephaniah's three seventeen. Maybe eventually. I don't even know if I have that in there. Uh, I'm gonna go three one through two, and I feel like uh, after all the stuff that we had, we talked about in the last episode with Zephaniah. This is really, if I were to like, we talked about this is the episode. If we were to teach it more applicable, practical points, mm-hmm. um, this is where I would head at with this book because it's a woe to the city of oppressors. So right there, the city of oppressors, he's talking about. Uh, Jerusalem, Judah, Israel, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to God. And right there, there's like four mistakes. And I, and I correct myself. It is to Judah. So it's four mistakes that the people of Judah made. And the first one is they weren't obedient. Mm-hmm. So she obeys nobody. Uh, if you look at one, four to five, it says, I'll stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will destroy the remnant of, of Baal worship in this place, the very name of names of the idolatrous priest, uh, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, and those who bow down and swear by the Lord, and who also swear by Molech. So then you go into Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy's like, hey, you saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the fire. Therefore, Watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man, a woman, or an animal on the earth, or the birds that fly in the air, or the creatures that move along the ground, any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping them. So right there, you can see it's a, it's a law. It's a rule that's applied that they have for them. And in Zephaniah, he's saying, this is the mistake that you're making. So they weren't obedient to God. And that's the, it's just one example that I saw from Zephaniah that I could tie to and a, a law that they had that was like, don't worship any God. And I mean, that's what, like the third or second commandment? They have no gods before me? Yeah. All right. I guess an asterisk when you said Moloch, I know that in the reading, I said Milcom, mm-hmm. which we were kind of talking about it before. And it just, Milcom is a variant of Moloch. So if you're just wondering like, well, who's Milcom, who's Moloch, like which one's which, it's when you look at the ancient language, sometimes the way that the letters are arranged, like it can phonetically come out different, but it's a reference to the same thing. But yeah, yeah. in there you've got Baal and you've got Moloch and Baal, I mean, Baal and Asheroth, Ashtaroth or Asherah, again, two variants of the same. They popped up all the time for the, for the Jewish people. Moloch pops up quite a bit as well. And it's just funny to me because before before we started recording the podcast, we were talking about that reporter that got smacked down. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, do you remember who the wrestler was? I don't remember the wrestler's name, no. So it was like way back when, whatever the WWE guy is, like the reporter's like, this is all fake. And the guy smacked him. Yeah. Like, is that fake? And obviously wrestling is fake for those of you that don't know. And I'm scripted. sorry for the, yeah, right, scripted. Scripted. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's technically, it's mm-hmm. that's a technical way. Um. But yeah, just like, this is fake, and then you get smacked. It's just, I feel like a lot of people have that view of these gods that get mentioned, mm, of just like, this point. is fake. And yeah. it's like, what do you think it's bringing some of the smack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, both both on the side of just like, on the spiritual warfare side of things, to where it's just like, these are no joke, and like, it's not good. But then also on the side of, if you are bowing your life down to them, you are coming under judgment just like these people are. Yeah, and it's even the, like if you're if you're bowing down to them, uh, y- you're worshiping them, and you're following kind of in their ways. 
Mm-hmm. And when you do look at a lot of the ancient gods and the Greek gods and all of them, they are not the best charactered people. You brought up a good point, though, about like when you're bowing down and following their way. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you might tell me I'm doing something and I can be like, that's not what I call it. But if I'm doing the things, mm. like, you know, does it matter the title that you give it? I think on some forms, yes, because there's an intentionality of like, no, I'm worshiping this God. But on the other thing to when you look at following Jesus is a following and like yeah. it's supposed to be your lifestyle. So even if you're not putting the title on it and full on associating with God, if you're living a lifestyle that is akin to worshiping these gods, you're definitely not following Jesus. We can say that much. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Uh, and it, all of it made me really wonder, like, how do you get to the point where you're worshiping Molech? Like, and that was okay. And we talked about in the last episode that like worshiping Molech meant like you're you're sacrificing your kids to the fire, like you're you're sacrificing your children. And where do you get to the point where that's okay? You know, and I, I understanding why people did things they did in the ancient times, sacrificing their kids was uh, if I gave to this God, I would get rewarded and get success in certain areas. But then it's like, why? You know. Am I allowed to do the thing? I guess I'm not on Facebook. You can deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my account. There's just going to be all kinds of stuff from people that I'm not going to see. Um, I'll preface it which with I understand that sometimes in a very, from my reading of the data, a very, very small percentage of people like just flat out need an abortion for like whatever it is that doctors are telling you and whatever it comes through. And that's a whole conversation to have. Um, And then I also know that several people have had abortions that it's a hard topic to talk about. So it's like, I'm not trying to come harsh on that and like really anything like that. But they're, from my understanding of both knowing people and looking at data, the broadest portion of people getting abortions is, I can't have this baby in my life right now. One, because I might not have the means to take care of it, but also because I won't be able to have the life that I could or want to have if I have this child. You Mm -hmm. follow me? Yeah. So it's like, I need to give up this child in order to have the life that I want to have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a way, that's what Moloch is, is that I'm going to give up this child because a lot, you're giving them up for success and for like, you know, to move forward. It's like, I'm going to give up this child so that I can have the life that I want to have. And you're desiring a life that you're saying, my life with this child is lesser than the life that I desire to have if I sacrifice this child. Yeah. Yeah. And just when you, because you were saying like, I don't know what brings people that. And like, it's a hard decision. And like, we can look at it and like, man, go back then to their days. Like, there's probably people who were also struggling to like put food on the table and also just like having children out of wedlock and everything else that's going on. And just like, well, what's my, what's my options then? Where do I turn in this ancient world for help? Well, this God, he'll put me ahead. I just need to sacrifice this child. Yeah, I, I was also thinking too, uh, when you were talking about it, for some reason it hit me, because just the phrasing of like, what civilization would do that? And then we're like, look in the mirror. Like, maybe we're not necessarily the sense like abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- like, remove that for a second of sacrificing our kids. Uh, but there's no issue sacrificing our time with our kids 
or our family right, right, time. Right. You know, like so if many. If you're pe- not, not to say like spiritualize it a little bit, yeah. but to take it on a level. Yeah. yeah, like the pursuit of stuff and success. There have been, there's so many people who sacrifice time with their kids, sacrifice the family unit. Uh, we sacrifice the God-given role we have as parents, mother and dad, and we sacrifice it to other people so that they could raise our kids so that way we could go and pursue what we want, our careers, our success, our money, our fame. Um, but yes to both. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's, I, I just kind of came in like, we do do that sometimes. Like, we're sacrificing our kids for success mm-hmm. uh, and the time with them. And as a parent, um, the raising of my children and being with them is just so important. Like, to think that I have to sacrifice and go do all these other things so that that way they could have a good upbringing, but in that upbringing means no time with me, I just can't get that. Like, the best time that they're going to have is with their parents. I was just holding Silas, like, last night, Mm -hmm. and I was about to put him down, and I was holding him, he was sleeping, I was looking at him, I was like, this is my son. Like, out of Mm -hmm. everyone in the world, like, this is my son, and I was thinking about Casey, like, that's my daughter, and Delilah likes my wife, and not like it's a possessive thing, but just, Mm -hmm. like, out of everybody, like, this is who God has given me. And you know, when you're just looking at like out of everything, like the priority and the importance and just like everything that can come with that, uh, I'm with you. Yeah. Where it's, why would I go and spend like talking about Facebook and Reels? It's just like, who am I giving that time to? Mm-hmm. And for what reason and what's going on versus like, no, this is like my son. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and uh, all that to bring it back to the point of God set up an order. He set up a formula for how we should be and how we should live. And man, sacrificing to, to a God was not it. And they weren't obedient to it. They didn't listen. Yeah. I'm just going to put the other asterisk, even though I already asterisked it. I'm really not coming to judge anybody who's had an abortion. Like anybody that I've known that's gone through that, it has been like a, not a fun process of everything leading up to it, making the decision, things coming after it and everything else. It's just like, I'm not trying to judge anybody. Like, I'm not anything in that. As we're reading and even talking about, it's like, if you're struggling with it, like Chris said, like, reach out. We can pray. We can talk through things. Like, I know several women who have gone through that healing process. Like, if you want to just get linked up with someone to talk through it, like, me bringing up that point wasn't like, oh, you're so evil for worshiping yeah, another yeah, yeah. God and, like, sacrificing your child. It's just like, again, sometimes the actions that we take are akin to going after something that's the opposite of God. Yeah, and it was just really to the point of, or the example of, that they weren't doing what God had commanded them to do. And a lot of times we think like uh, disobedience almost becomes like it's it's a quick thing. If I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna be disobedient or get to the point of like this example of sacrificing to Molech, or even it had on there worshiping Molech and God, mm-hmm. uh, or worshiping the starry host, like the the stars in the sky and everything like that. Uh, it's not like a quick thing. But I'm a Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not a quick thing, right? It's like a, it's a gradual. Um, it's like, to me, I almost see somewhat of disobedience being like, it's a compromise in one area to another area to another area to another area that finally leads to like full blown, just going off in another direction. That's good. I know that we're just like pursuing this thing, but in that, I agree with you, but I think that there's also the thing of the whole like old nature versus nurture like thing about Mm -hmm. how you get raised, but there is something about the culture that you get raised in that can already set those standards for what things look like to where just like, 
It's not like you're slipping away into something. That's just how things are. You know, we were talking about it before the show started, just like sometimes as a dad, you slip into like, I want to do things differently, but sometimes you just go back yeah. to like how it was that you were raised. Mm-hmm. As like when you were raised, that's all you knew was how you were raised. And you had to like learn something different to do something different. And I feel like, you know, I get what you're saying. It's just like sometimes it's the gradual thing or it starts with the small thing and it gets bigger. But other times you just have to look around and be like, I am part of a culture that largely does not follow God. Yeah. I will clarify because we're talking about other guys that largely doesn't follow Jesus. So like, what about my upbringing in any of this? I didn't even have the opportunity to slowly slip into. I was born into, you know, but I agree with you. But I think that it's both that we need to have our eyes open to sometimes things are normal to us and we don't realize that it's not a good normal to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, I like this quote from Tozer. Uh, He said, true obedience is the refusal to compromise in any regard our relationship with God, regardless of the consequences. And I really think like that tagline at the end, regardless of the consequences, Mm -hmm. uh, that gets lost on us so much. That's what put those boys in the fire. Yeah. And for a lot of times, regardless of the consequence is like, oh, I think God will forgive me if I just do it this one time because I don't want those consequences. And yeah, the boys in the fire is a big one. But for us today, like it's not us in the fire. Sometimes it's just like, well, I'll compromise here because I don't want to be looked at this way or that way. And uh, I again... This isn't like the judgment podcast. Right. I'm saying we, I, because I've been in that situation. I've done the stupid thing. You read that Tozer thing. I was like, dang, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> no, I was talking to me too. Uh, but yeah, I've been in this situation where it's like, it, it's easier to compromise than be obedient. And um, in one sense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's like all pressure from people or pressure from the world or just pressures you put on yourself that oh, this is an easier way to get that than I than going through it the right way. Um, but to me, what I've learned, and learned probably more recently, that uh, doing that, I forfeit the greatest reward I could ever have, and that's a relationship with God. Like, obedience isn't about, like, I'm obedient so God gives me stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm obedient because I, I have this relationship with God. I just love Him. And that's the part too to where when we think oh like i can do this and god will forgive me and the transactional mindset of that Mm -hmm. as if like you're just fixing a balance somewhere like in your accounting or something like that but i don't know about you i can speak for myself when i have compromised and it's definitely in this area of like needing forgiveness from god when my integrity gets broken that sinful nature within me wants to hold on to that because it's like something broke through Hmm. and the integrity got broke and then the sin is like well how do i take over Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm going to postpone that conversation about forgiveness for as long as possible and the spiritual aspect that comes when we compromise it's gnarly like i don't know maybe it's just me but anytime i'm like i can compromise this a little bit and ask for forgiveness it's like that took a long time and went a lot deeper didn't it yeah. Because especially like, well, you did that once and you haven't asked for forgiveness yet. So go ahead and one more time or it gets pushed or it's this or it's that. And just like when integrity is broken, it's it fundamentally changes who you are. My, in my opinion, my favorite compromise is, ah, but this is the last time, you know, <laughs> that's my favorite one. Uh, not in like a good way. That That's just the no. I know that <laughs> no. excuse is like, 
ah, oh, this is this is the last time. I swear it's the last. God, I promise this is the last time. And then it's like twenty four hours later. Oh, this is the last time. You know, it's you never reach that last time until you're willing to just straight up go Old Testament, purge, tear down, yeah, destroy, yep. eradicate the the. Because that's Asher when you're pulls. actually mm-hmm. done with it. Yeah, that you're destroying it. You no longer want it. You'd rather have the relationship with God. Uh, when you're talking about the compromise and, and uh, integrity, mm-hmm. I just thought of Lord of the Rings, uh, The Two Towers. You remember they're like, we're going to go to Helm's Deep. No army has ever been able to penetrate Helm's Deep. And then when like the orcs and all them set off that bomb and it like created that one little crack in the mm-hmm, wall, mm-hmm. they just raided that place until yep. they had to finally fall back. And they're like, eh, this is it. We're going to go out there and die. But, you know, luckily Gandalf showed up. But, you know, like that's really what happens when we compromise. It's almost like that could be a picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was J.R. Tolkien a believer in someone? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it could possibly yeah. be why that's so popular with Christian nerds. Yeah. But... No, yeah, that that really is an image of it. So if you want to see, like, this is what compromise in my life looks like, go mm-hmm. go watch that scene. Yeah. Um, can I do the thing that might require us to put like the adult warning? Oh, on parental the thing? advising. Parental advisory, yeah, and yeah. also give people the excuse to be like, well, my compromises aren't that bad, so I'm actually fine in what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, go ahead, because I think the <laughs> the last couple of episodes, I was like orgy in the temple, so. <laughs> we're way beyond we that call now. it a wink wink chris <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wink wink yes anyways just on that thing of like oh it's the last time i remember way back when when i was like i'm gonna stop smoking weed but i was just like i'm really like unless it's something that's just like crazy like i've never like done that before like it's an opportunity that i wouldn't want to pass up like i'm done unless it's like worthy of it all of a sudden every occasion was worthy of it mm. Like, I was like, cool, here's my decision. I'm really going to cut back. Like, just, you know, if it's something I'm like, nah, like, that's worth doing. And then next time I was just like, oh, there's a six-foot bong? I've never smoked out of one of those. <laughs> like, literally, that was the next time. And then every time after that, there was something like that that was just like, that's like five blunts spliced into one thing. Like, can't pass up on that. And just, so, yeah, the th- even when you're saying, oh, the last time. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of like justification or reasoning you give. Again, that's the sinful nature that mm-hmm. is like whatever kind of way that you give yourself to hold on to it, you'll find that way. Like yeah. the only way is, as you said, you got to purge it. You got to cut it off. You need to cut it out because leaving in kind of like when you're in the garden and you're trying to uproot something, if you don't get the root out, here it comes. It might Dude. take a while, but here it comes. Birds of paradise. Those things are just evasive. and. You dig down, you think you're going to find a root. No, it's like this brain underneath there on the ground, <laughs> like system. And it sends like all these nerve endings everywhere. And if you don't get all of those, you're, you're going to have another birds of paradise growing out. Uh, that's, that's actual experience in life. Um, the next part of it is they weren't accepting correction. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. That we're was the only point one. Tangent. <laughs> yeah, that was only point one. Uh, they weren't accepting correction. Uh, we covered a few of the minor prophets and... Uh, it doesn't seem like the message ever changes. Like, it's the same thing over and over well, again. Because God doesn't change. He's like, come back to me. Right. Uh, and like, uh, he's using them to tell him the same thing over and over again. I found it really interesting that uh, eight prophets came before Zephaniah. There was uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. And from the first one of them to Zephaniah, there's a 230-year span between them. So for 230 years, 
God is warning them over and over and over again with prophet after prophet after prophet, and they just refuse correction. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of being a dad. I have to tell Reed probably more than once every day, stop jumping on the couch. Stop jumping on the couches. Stop standing on the couches. And every time I tell him, I'm like, hey, Reed, stop jumping on the couches. He's like, oh, I forgot. I just told you like five minutes ago. How'd you forget? Uh, and then I think Remy sometimes too, like uh, the big one for her is like, can you be nice to your brother? <laughs> She's like, your typical older sister, you know? She's like, get away from me. I had one of those. Yeah. I guess I have one of those. <laughs> you still I have a couple have, of them, yeah. but the, the closest one. Hi, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's like this repeated instruction every day. And, and then, you know, they'll tell me I forget or, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but then what happens is they do it to the point where I get upset. The day of the Lord happens. <laughs> yeah, and I drop the hammer of discipline, and then I'm looked at as like, oh, dad's angry. Dad's always angry. He's the angry dad. And it just made me think of God because like, mm-hmm. that's what people think when they think of God of the Old Testament, right? He was the angry God. He was the mean God. But dude, if I was having people tell you something for 230 years, and this is just to Zephaniah, like, 230 years of repeating the same thing over and over again. Stop worshiping Bell. Stop worshiping Moloch. Stop. Can, can you stop sacrificing your kids? Yeah. Can you just stop? Oh, doing God, that? you're so wicked. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, then, what? and then the Babylonians come and yeah. they're like, oh, God, you're so mean. Why would you do this to us? It's because I warned you like over and over again. And uh, so 3-7 is really a super cool part of it. So in 370, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, I thought, surely you will fear me and accept correction. Then her place of refuge would not be destroyed, nor all of my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all they did. Yeah, my translation says, they rose early to corrupt all their deeds. Like, I'm waking up early to mm-hmm. get some bad stuff done. Yeah, I really like that. When you read it, uh, read the book, mm-hmm. and I heard that from that translation, I was like, it takes a lot to get me up early in the morning right so to get me up early just to do some bad stuff like that's that compromise yeah <laughs> uh so that was a. Uh, it just reminded me of that and i really think that it's easier at times to accept correction than not even though the correction sucks mm-hmm. because what follows is going to be worse yep um and we were jokingly we're like yeah the day of the lord is coming the day of the lord came and for them, when the Babylonians marched through, that was not a good time. Uh, being taken out of your homeland and taken into another nation uh, and, and living there for 70 years. Well, that's like in the description, right, of chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. The day of the Lord is near, it's coming quickly. Listen, mm-hmm. day of the Lord, the cry of the mighty will be bitter. Be a day of wrath, trouble, distress, destruction, desolation, darkness, gloom, clouds and blackness, horns of blast and a battle crying. Just like, yeah, it was a bad day. Mm-hmm. Which, as we talk about, and we've talked about on previous episodes, that God, his, he's, he is forgiving and he's patient, right? And he's good in all of those things. But then there's that limit to it. Mm-hmm. And I think just to bring it back to that compromise and, oh, well, God will forgive me in that is just... As you were saying, if you push that far enough, well, I forgot, or there's this, or there's that, and it's just like the correction, either accept the words of correction, right? Or he puts you through the action of it. Right? He's just yeah. like, hey, listen to me, and we'll avoid this. Listen to me, and we'll avoid this. All right, well, I need to teach you now. Mm-hmm. And how you were saying that 
how did you word it? Like basically listening is the better, the easier thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I remember when we like started having kids and uh, so there's Remy and as she's getting beyond like being a baby and you're like, ah, oh, she's a baby. She could do bad things. She's just a baby. But now she's like two or three and you're like, nah, you know the difference between what you're doing and what you're not doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Justine at one point because being a teacher and going through all that schooling, she told me, you can't make a threat that you're not willing to follow through with. Yep. Because if you make a threat that you don't follow through with, then you lose all credibility and they're just going to do whatever they want. And, and I feel like sometimes for us as people, we kind of think that way, right? God has like, it's not like the threat, but it's like, here's what will happen if you don't do this. Uh, and because that hasn't happened, like for 230 years, the day of the Lord is coming. The day who's on Amos is on there. Mm-hmm. Amos is like the first mention of the day of the Lord uh, as far as like the actual written accounts. But a lot of those we covered, day of the Lord is in there. This is coming. This is coming. And yeah, but it didn't happen yet. It didn't happen yet. It's not going to happen. So then like that, that almost we kind of think that it won't happen, right? Mm-hmm. But then when God does pull it, just like when I used to tell Remy, if you do that, I'm going to get rid of all your toys. Just seemed like, you won't do that. I was like, yes, I will. So one day she did it again, and I got all her toys, carted them to our bedroom, and said, you are no longer allowed to play with these until you earn them back. So she knew. I didn't say I was going to throw them away. That's, I could have sold them and made money for them. I was, I was going to yeah. say, like, wow, you really went for it. Yeah, I know. I willed them all away. Uh, but she knew after that that Dad wasn't messing around, mm-hmm. that if Dad put a punishment out there, he would do it. And I think, uh, unfortunately, the, the Israelites had to face that same consequence. And that's the hard thing. And like, I don't know how to, where to fall on it to where just like, I agree. The, the punishment and the consequence and the reality of that is needed. But it's like, it's also not needed if, if Remy or me mm-hmm. or you would just listen. So yeah. it's like, it's not needed because we could just listen and then God yeah. doesn't have to do it. Like, there's nothing that says that God has to do it other than when he has to do it. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that. Uh, that verse too is like, then her refugees, like, surely they would fear me and accept the correction. Like, I've told them, if they just listen, then I wouldn't have to do all this stuff. And that's in chapter 2, right at the beginning, the first three of chapter 2. It's like, it's the call of repentance. Mm-hmm. If that might be the title in some of you guys' Bible. It's like, gather together, you shameful nation, before this decree takes effect, before the day passes like chaff, before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who carry out its justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. He's saying like, come together, humble yourselves and turn away from that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might get shelter from it. It's kind of like, again, I guess we're just rolling with the, the parental thing. But your kids can push you to the point of just like, all right, it's coming down. But then they can do something redeeming. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck in the situation of, do I still need to follow through? Mm-hmm. Or how much do I need to follow through? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can still offer the shelter and you can have the redemption within that because you're the, that way as a dad. Just like, I don't want to punish Casey or Silas. Mm-hmm. Like there's no joy in it. And that's what the Bible says. God takes no joy in the death of the wicked, right? It's just like, that's not there for him. But again, God knows best about what the lesson needs to be. So I think that even there to where he didn't give the, Hey, if, if you turn from this, like nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, if you turn, like there's a possibility. That, that's what I, I really like that verse. Uh, the, what's that? Two, three, where it's seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. I like that perhaps. Uh, that, that speaks so much volume into who God is because 
It isn't like a, I won't, but it's just a perhaps. Now you have to actually trust. You have to leave Right? It. Because otherwise I'm just trying to twist his arm. Yeah. Now I get to leave it in his hands if I've changed my ways. It reminded me of uh, David. So you remember after Absalom took over and David had to do the march of shame outside of the city? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Shimei pops up and he's all like, curse be David, the murderer, bloodshedder, and all that stuff. And uh, was it Joab who's like, you want me to go kill that filthy dog for talking to you that way? <laughs> and uh, David's like, no, no, no. He's not wrong. I am those things. I, I, I'm clearly that's me. So we're going to just let him do that. And in this, perhaps God will have mercy on me and show me kindness. Right. And that's just David's life, it seems like. First off, is Joab the dude that was just always ready to murk someone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all the time. Yeah. He's a twitchy guy. He's like on edge all the time. Yeah. He's like but, Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. But how you said like at that point that you need to trust. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of it, how you said that you like the perhaps, and even how David had that in there, is because honestly for me, there's the part going back to the transactionality of things with God to where I can want it to be transactional. And I can want it to be like, no, I did this, therefore you, I, you know, mm-hmm. I can sin, but you'll forgive, or I can do this mm-hmm. and then you'll do that. And just the transactionality versus the, the realness of heart that comes with, I'm going to do this and leave it up to you because I am that man. Mm-hmm. And I think like it, it shows a bigger faith and even willingness, like, you know, to, to accept rather than how I would maybe want to do it of manipulate the situation right. and, and make yeah. it work in my favor or do whatever. And it's just like, no, you're God. That's right. You know, I'm going to submit myself, but I'm submitting myself to you being God. So whatever you, whatever you say goes in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, that all brings us to the third thing is that they weren't trusting God. So like... The, the third thing? I yeah. thought that was the third thing. No, that was the second thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, they weren't trusting God. Uh, and it's a great place to see it is that if you trust God, then you live in the perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Like if I trust God, it's perhaps, you know, everything is a perhaps. Um, but I'm trusting, I'm, I like that that you said submitting. I'm submitting completely to him and not trying to twist his arm. Oh, I'll do the good thing, but the good thing is just so I get, don't get the bad thing. When you trust God, it's I'm doing the good thing just because I know this is what thing is I should do. Mm-hmm. This is the way I should walk. Uh, but you looked at it, it says they, uh, they depended on their wealth. They trusted in what they had. They trusted in the other gods. Um, so God was going to take it all away. He said, uh, their wealth will be plundered. Their houses will be demolished. They, though they build houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink their wine. Um, it does seem sometimes to me when you look at the Bible a lot that wealth most of the time creates an issue of trust with God. Uh, and I just kind of thought of the rich young ruler that like it was like, I want to follow you. Have you kept all the command? Yeah, I've done all of those. Sell everything and come, come follow me. And it was like, at the, uh, I like the one of the gospels where it says at that he feel like looked really down, like he looked sad. He was sad. Yeah. Yeah, and he walked away. Um, My dad always points out that he might have been sad, but you don't know what he did. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if you're like, dang, I didn't go do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it might make you sad, but you, we don't know. But the follow-up of Jesus, like, yeah, it's easier for a uh, camel yeah, to go yeah. through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And I think uh, it's not to say that, that wealth is bad. It's that we see it sometimes as our resource and we trust it more than God. There's the cliche that says that money will just 
magnify who you currently are. Mm-hmm. And because we can see somebody like Abram, Abraham, he's a wealthy dude. And he was also a human. So we can see in places where he sinned, but he was a friend of God. And it doesn't seem like all of those riches turned him, even to the point when he went and rescued Lot. And he's like, I ain't taking any of your stuff because then you're going to say you did this. He Mm -hmm. wasn't seeking after the money. And then he even paid tithes to Melchizedek. Future episode on that one. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're just like, money wasn't an issue for him because of who he was in that situation. Go to Solomon and he's like, richest, wisest dude. And he's like, he just train wrecked on that one, right? Yeah. So yeah, who you are and, and what the thing, but yeah, there's so many warnings against wealth that you got to be really sure that you're like, examine who you are right now mm-hmm. before you go desiring a lot more wealth. Chris Brown told the story at one of the conferences we went to, uh, where they're talking about one of the causes that they work with and uh, the, the people that they like helped, like one of them came to him or he went out there to see them. And he's just like, I live in this great house mm-hmm. and we're here in this hut. And they're like worshiping God. And he just like felt so bad because of all the stuff he had. And then the people that they were helping, he said, no, no, we pray for your prosperity because when you're prosperous, you give to us. Mm-hmm. You could give more. And, and to me, that just really struck a point in my life is like, that's why God gives. It's not that we like. He gives so that we can give. He's yeah. like, hey, be like me. And when you really trust God, trust God, you're not hoarding on to your resources. You're not hoarding it and keeping it to yourselves. You're like, I've got this. I'm going to give because I have an abundance. Which is not what these people were doing. To bring it back to that, it's like, wow, all these cool, positive things. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't, they were hoarding their wealth. They were spending on all their stuff. Also plug what he was talking about was Compassion International. Yes. Everybody should go check out Compassion International. It's super cheap to sponsor a kid every month. You get to know the kid. It really is you with that kid. It's not like a bunch of people and they're gathering money. Like I might have mentioned on the show before, uh, my family, we sponsor Abla Anaset over in Togo, Africa. It's like she's our kid. We get to write letters to her. And like we've been supporting her since that first conference. So maybe like three years ago now. And 30 bucks a month. 40 if you want to help like support not her but in the area of people struggle with like aids and other like stuff i think we're spending around 40 bucks a month as that family was saying like hey you guys have everything when you're generous with us it goes a long way over here so highly recommend compassion international like go check it out you can find a kid right on their website and just like sponsor i didn't mention the name because i forgot it just just for everyone listening <laughs> it wasn't that i wouldn't want to like oh no I was, just, I was like i'm i was really like what oh this is horrible i should have wrote down the name before i went into no i'm just like, i'm yeah. super no, hyped about no, compassion i love they're a fantastic organization it was the thing where i went to the conference and they had on all of the yeah. seats a little packet and they were like hey don't just take this and not do anything because that links to a kid like if you're not going to do it and i took it and i looked into it and I'm like, oh this is legit we're gonna do this yeah trusting god trusting god it really trust trust is like the key to any relationship uh if you do not trust someone you're in a relationship within that relationship's destined for failure so we're gonna give another story here because the last story i was like i'm gonna tell this big thing and then people will feel like they can justify their stuff away right Mm -hmm. because i don't know maybe our listeners are out there doing all of that craziness that i was talking about but a recent thing that i've been challenged with trusting god is to rest Mm. and like you know me i'm constantly just like adhd so i've got 
I forget what that article we read the one time is like you're con- you're trying to fit 100 pounds of something into a 50 pound bag. Yeah. I was like, that's me all the time from the moment I wake up to the time of sleep. I'm just like, ah, oh, man, there's so much to do and get it done. And one of my greatest fears is to like be old and have regrets of not having done with my life. So just like the concept of stopping and the pride of even needing to stop and needing to rest for as much like literally I've been at the point recently where like my body's been shutting down in the middle of the day like it just like like you're on your phone and it starts getting slow when it gets down to like one percent like how much farther can I push this like I've physically been doing that of just like oh I'm gonna lay down oh I'm shutting down for like 30 minutes and just like physically mentally emotionally spiritually just like needing to stop but man there's so much to do and so Mm -hmm. much responsibility that rides on me it's like how can i stop and just like yeah vacation time take vacation time that's what it's there for that's a normal thing in life to do but even just to take time to spend with my family and to do and to just really disconnect is like that might sound crazy to people that i struggle with that but like that's a point of trust for me to where I've got stuff going on with Belong, the young adult story is like, oh, we have events this month and we have a speaking opportunity I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just going to tell the team, like, I need you guys to handle it. I'll support you up until that point. But then I'm stepping back from it. And so just in areas of trust, I mean, we're talking a bit about money, but even there with time and with other, you know, things that go along with it. I'm sorry, I'm you're doing stuff on your computer and I was trying to keep talking till it looked like a point that you could talk, but I was getting more and more distracted. And I was like, I'm kind of rambling now and I'm waiting for you to come in with the punch. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, was it worth it? Whatever uh, you were touching over there, is it I, worth I, it? Yes, because it's... Uh, hold on, give me a second. Give me a second. Seconds, please. No, but yeah, because I just feel like the earlier thing that I said is like, oh yeah, that's crazy, but... Really, when it comes to time and money and where are we at with trusting God on that and, to go back to the earlier point, not compromising with God on those things. Man, I wish I brought my Bible. I, I would have found it a <laughs> lot a quicker. a Christian podcast. <laughs> well, I, I was going to rely on um, Lagos mm-hmm. and just like opening up Zephaniah and doing that. Plus, I have all the scriptures on my notes that I want to use. But you, when you talked about trusting God... Um, and sometimes we have to trust him with rest, but it's like, I have so much to do and I can't get it done or I need to get it all done. But God's like saying rest. And I'm like, no, I need to get it all done. I don't know if it was in Zephaniah or one of the other books we covered, but it was like, God brings you to peace. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things he wants to do. I feel like it was in verse in chapter three, but I'm not 100% sure. But it, it, it's something about like where he said, I will bring you into peace or there will be great peace. Um, and that's part of our life too, is learning to trust God with everything. And in that is like rest. He's, he wants to bring us into peace. So looking at it, right, we're talking about idols and other gods. You're like, man, that's like the second commandment. The Sabbath yeah. is one of the 10 commandments. And it's like, that's a day of rest once a week, nothing else, mm-hmm. just like rest. So yeah, it's like, oh man, look at all of them doing their ungodly things and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And meanwhile, it's like, 
I'm going to burn the midnight oil 24 <laughs> hours a day yeah. and 360 something years a day a year, you know, like yeah, yeah. I'm doing it 360 <laughs> years a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that is what I'm doing. <laughs> but the, yeah, it, it is. Trust. No, but right. So yeah. where it's just God, God, even then in the Ten Commandments, like, hey, the gods that are like, that's not going to be a good thing. But you resting and giving that, like, that's also a thing that's there. Yeah, and you not doing that is yeah. not going to be a good thing as well. Also, uh, I think honoring your mother and father for any of our younger listeners. Yeah. And not lying and stealing and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, we cannot tr- always trace God's hand, but we can always trust God's heart. Mm. And I think if, as people who struggle with trust, I, I always said that trust is the easiest but hardest commandment to follow because it's easy to trust, but it's so dang hard to trust. It's like uh, the trust fall situation. Like, are you really going to catch me? And with the wrong person, more like Bell, they're not. Or me. <laughs> Uh, you said it. You saw the look on my yeah, face. I saw but, the look on face. <laughs> uh, but with God, it's like I can always trust He's going to catch me, no matter what I, uh, what happens in my life, no matter what circumstance I hit, no matter what I face or what challenge it is. Uh, I can't always trace God's hand in it. I can't always know what He's doing. I don't know uh, all of His plans, but I can always trust His heart. I can always know that He's there. And that he has a plan for me and that he's going to take care of me Mm -hmm. if I trust him. Virgin, man, such an unknown preacher. It'd be good like to really get his name out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just really like that quote. Yeah, Yeah, that was good. Uh, Number four, they weren't in a relationship with God. Uh, 1.6 says, uh, they are those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Uh, They weren't even seeking God anymore. This is God's people and they weren't seeking God. They were seeking after everything else. Uh, Francis Chan said, A relationship with God simply cannot grow with when money, sin, activities, favorite sports teams, addictions, or commitments are piled up on top of it. And I thought that was a really good way to look at it. Like, I want to grow a relationship with God, but on top of it, I'm putting on money. I'm putting up my sins. I'm putting up other activities, favorite sports teams. And eventually, that relationship with God is at the very bottom, and everything else is stacked up on top of it. Interesting. You're talking about growing, right? Mm-hmm. And just to take that idea of growing, what were the big ones? The the redwoods, right? Sequoias? Yeah, redwoods. Yeah, mm-hmm. those huge trees. Yeah, like come from a little seed, right? Yeah. There's like the relationship with God to grow, right? Just I'm taking the biggest thing that I can think of that grows is that. And I just you're talking about stacking all of those things on top and like not letting it grow. I bet you anything that if you took a redwood. And you planted it, even if you germinated a little bit before, so it's sprouting. So it's like, no, there's life in there, right? So it's happened. And you plant it and you make sure that like the uh, soil is moist and you make sure that the sun is out and whatever else is needed. But then I bet you if you just stuck your phone over the top, like right on top of that seed, mm-hmm. that, that redwood couldn't grow. No, not at all. So just thinking of like you listed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that a phone is enough to block the growth. Yeah. I just deleted Facebook recently, so like that's one. I've admitted before that phone addiction is one of the things that constantly can get in my way, whether it's games or social media or different stuff. Yeah, like because I don't care about sports. I I like to play them, but like a lot of those things that you list is like eh. But I do like technology. So when I think of just like man, it doesn't even take all that. Like Mm -hmm. it can literally just take the phone. Yeah, it it could take anything. I I found it interesting that um, Zephaniah three one through eight. And Zephaniah 2, 4 through 15, so when he's, like, coming down on the nations, mm-hmm. and then he turns it against Judah. Um, sometimes I really wish that we didn't have the Bibles that had the verses and the chapters. Yeah. 
because Zephaniah doesn't separate them. Like he's not making any distinction distinction between the nations who are just living in corruption where they aren't God's people and God's people. They've all become the same. Um, and, and it's that, that the they stopped wanting a relationship with their God. Mm-hmm. They wanted something else. And uh, we were talking about compromise earlier, and, and this part alone reminded me of that uh, five degrees off gets you far from where you want to be. One degree off will get you right? far from where So like if you're just one degree off and you're like you're so far, and, and that's what happens sometimes I think in our relationship with God is that we just kind of go off a little bit and then we start moving forward in that. And eventually we're so far from that relationship with God that you can't even tell we even had a relationship with God to begin with. Um, personally, I, I know that I've experienced that. Uh, and we get off track. And I think that within that, again, going back to sometimes when you can see that distance, the trick of the devil is that right when you're at that closest part, that's why he postpones you coming back to God. Mm Because if you keep moving forward, you're growing farther apart. But to go back to that, once you get far enough away that you're just like, whoa, where is God even in any of that? And you're looking at all this. I'm assuming that if you're not having a close relationship with God in your life, then there's sin in your life. Mm -hmm. Just going to assume that that thing moved in there. But to go back to the thing of like really needing to purge it, if you're not going to like purge it, because that's what brings you back to when you were with God. Because like God, when he forgives you and you repent from it, it's like that's not there. So, but if you're just going to keep wandering around without doing that, like you're just still going to stay lost. You can, you might say, oh no, I'm trying to get back with God and I'm trying to do this or I just don't know where he's at. But it's like, then as you, if you follow that one degree away and you're just looking at God's over there, I'm over here, you're just meandering lost. Like yeah. you might be saying I'm wanting to get back to God. But the way really is that repentance and the purging. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, going back to uh, chapter two, three. Seek the Lord. Yeah, you know, go after Him, seek Him. Right, but we can. That's what I was getting. Is like we can say that we're seeking, mm-hmm. but it's like we can't just say the things. No, th- we got to do the seek righteousness, seek yeah. humility. Yep. You know, do those things, um, and really, uh, um, He wants that relationship with us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's where do we have it at? I think it's. Chapter 3, 8, uh, therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by fire, by the fire of my jealous anger. And that's it to me, is that why God wants to have a relationship with us, is that he is jealous, um, not of us, or- but for us. He wants that. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants all of us, um, we were created to be in that relationship with him. Right, so it's one thing to look at the verses that you read when it's just him being jealous for us and just even coming in with that correction, judgment, you know, all those things that can move in. But then when you look at the other side, at the very end of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through the end, it comes in with, Sing for joy, O daughter of Zion. Sing aloud, O Israel. Right, And it comes in just like daughter of Zion. And there's all those words that the Bible uses, like here's daughter. And we look at it as the the bride and we look at all those things, right? They're very much relational because you're talking about a relation. Um, The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. Israel's king, the Lord, is among you. No longer will you fear any harm. 
When for me, when I look at that relationship, I go back to the garden because it's just like, what was the relationship supposed to be? And it's like Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. And just like God was with them, like in that most intimate of ways. And that's what I see happening here is that Israel's king, the Lord is among you. No longer will you fear any harm. Is it's a restoration of that? But then I even see that through the gospel, how that has happened, at least for us, this side of, you know, the final judgment of things, is that Jesus, Israel's king, came down and was amongst us, restoring that relationship and showing what that looks like to walk in relationship with God, right? To where, what does it really look like to live that way? Um, He modeled it out, but then when he was leaving, he said, it's good for me to go because I'm going to send my spirit. And when you look at the spirit being in us and amongst us and having that relationship restored, like what we have right now, because we're talking about what they didn't have the relationship, right? Like, man, the relationship, it was there and the capability that was there under the old covenant and following those things and all of that. Like God set up a system for Israel to have a relationship with him. But what we have now to have a relationship with God through the power of the spirit is like so much better. Yeah. And just to really look at the reality, again, I can say the things, but am I believing the things and understanding the things of Israel's king, the Lord is among you? I look at, okay, well, God was among Adam and Eve in the garden. Jesus was among all of those crowds as you went around the Mediterranean, right? And mm-hmm. in the, like, I can see what that is. But am I grasping the reality that God, through his spirit, is still with me in as real as a way as that? Like if I was walking around with Jesus and I was coming into any type of situation, I'd be able to say, because hopefully I'm of faith enough to understand that he loves me and he would allow me to approach him and have questions and be able to come with him with struggles. And he'd probably say something really confusing (laughs) as like a response, but he'd be there for me, right? Yeah. It's like, that's what I currently have. So you know, what they were going through there and just the example of you were saying they didn't have that relationship. It's like it's one thing to look at what not having a relationship looks like, but to look at the beauty of what having the relationship does it says no longer will you fear any harm. On that day, they'll say to Jerusalem, do not fear. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is among you. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Like, that just trips me out to think of like, God's going to sing over me with gladness? Yeah. What do you mean? That doesn't make sense. I sing to him. Haven't you ever heard of a church service? Like, mm-hmm. how is like, no, that's the goodness of a good relationship. It's like, he really loves you that much. It's going to bust an Edwin McCain and I'll be your shining. You remember that song? That old, old 90s song? Not by name, but when you started yeah, singing yeah. a little bit, yeah, I know. <laughs> that God's going to be singing yeah. for us like that? <laughs> I really like that. Uh, it's actually where I wanted to head towards the end because, uh, man, when you get into it, like God, a lot of Zephaniah is like, God's going to correct judgment, day of the Lord. I even think we talked about it where it's like the heavier tone is not really referenced much from in other passages, but at, it ends in just this most wonderful way. Uh, he rejoices seeing over you. Like, yeah, this is, you want a right relationship with God? A right relationship with God, what it looks like is, uh, I don't need to fear. That was right there, right? Do not fear. Uh, God is with us, and he delights in me. As a parent, 
when I tell my kids, I'm proud of you, that's like almost, it seems like that's the happiest they could be, right? Mm-hmm. They're just like so, oh, I, I, dad's happy with what I did. Um, and even as a kid, like I, I did the same thing with my parents. Like, yeah, if my parents were like, good job. Um, it, was, it was a great thing. You know, that's what he does with us. Is like, I'm proud of you guys. I delight in you to be with you. And he's near me. He's with me. Uh, you were talking about the Holy Spirit being with us. And uh, I was thinking about the idea, like, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm such a sinner. Uh, there's no good in me. There's nothing good about me. It, which, yes, all that's true. But when he put his spirit inside of us, uh, now there's something good in us. We have goodness in us because the Spirit is working and active through us. And then uh, coming out of the pandemic and all the craziness we faced in like the last two to three years, to say I do not need to fear is such a freeing statement. I don't need to fear what's happening around me. I don't need to fear the calamities. I don't need to fear because God's with me. Mm -hmm. Well, what if all the stuff happens? God's, God's with me. But that statement, because God's with me, if you don't have that relationship yeah. and you're a stranger, there's sin in the way or whatever, it's just like you don't have the confidence and the trust and the faith to say, God's with me. So then you can't really say, well, I don't need to fear because God's with me. Like the contingency is that like you are with God and he is with you in order to say that and it really be true. And you can say that and it really be true, which is the amazing thing. And yeah, so it's just like, yeah, the fact that we can say that in today's world with everything going on. You remember the conference? Uh, gosh, I can't remember which speaker it was. Uh, I think it was the guy talking about rest. Um, <laughs> but I, I blocked that out. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, or was it one of the other people? Uh, but they were talking about fear is the spirit. Mm-hmm. And it never dawned on me. And it's like, uh, I think he went to Paul to Timothy, was like, uh, for I did not give you a spirit of fear, uh, but a spirit of whatever the rest of that verse is. Uh, but it just reminded me of that, that like, he didn't give us a spirit of fear and fear isn't like this just emotion or feeling it's a spirit that creeps in and wants to create havoc and ruin our relationship with god but what he did give us was his holy spirit and his holy spirit lives in us so that way we can walk in him but off the top of my head i can't remember which one said it joby martin joby country boy that's all yeah that's all I got. <laughs> well, no, I was looking at it because I was going to expand on the point. I, I pulled out my notes from yeah. the conference since no one else can see what's happening. Um, isn't that crazy that I have these on hand? Yeah. When did we go to the conference? Like two, three months ago? Two months October. ago? October. One of the things just as we're talking about how you said like, oh, nothing good in me, but then like he put his spirit in you. One of the notes I took from that session with Joby says, God knew what he was getting when he saved and called you. That was a really good point. Yeah. And it's so true that he knows what he's gotten us. He's not, one of them was like, uh, someone said, uh, he's not looking for you to be perfect. He's just looking for you to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see that throughout the Bible. You mentioned Abraham's not perfect, far from it. David was far from perfect. We talk about him all the time um, in that state. And we looked at Peter, who wasn't perfect. We looked at so many people as we've gone through a lot of stuff in this podcast. so he's not looking for that, uh, but he's, he's looking for you because he delights in you. He wants you to want a relationship with him. And for me, I really feel like this, this whole thing changed in so many areas in my life when I realized that, that it wasn't a performance-based situation. 
it was a relationship-based thing that I'm obedient because of the relationship. I'm not obedient because I get a reward, I get another achievement, I get to the next level, I get a bigger mansion, whatever thing you want to place on that. I'm obedient because I got the relationship. Yeah, just kind of, for me, some thoughts on it as I look at this book of Zephaniah, because it does go so hard on like that level of judgment in the day of the Lord that's coming in, both for God's people and for the nations, right? But that ending of chapter three, just being literally just full of like joy and singing. And as you keep going in chapter three, saying that, again, when you're in that right relationship with God, going back to that call that he put for repentance, and he was saying, man, I was hoping that some of you guys would pay attention to, to what I'm telling you, but he's saying, you know, for those of you that are, that are there and that are faithful, you'll no longer suffer reproach. I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame. I will gather the scattered. I will appoint praise and fame for the disgrace throughout the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. I will gather you. I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your captives before your very eyes. And just looking at that and the picture of the world that I see there, if I go back to Zephaniah 2 verse 15, talking about this carefree city that dwells securely, that thinks to herself, I'm it. There's none beside me. What a ruin she's become, a resting place for beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. And kind of the juxtaposition there that when I'm looking at the world that we live in is that there's so many cities and nations and people and figures and systems that have propped themselves up saying, I'm it. There's none beside me. I am the best. Like, and as we've talked about other nations in a lot of these minor prophets, they're just like, nothing can touch me. Yeah. Right. And just that approach. And when I look at the world and when I look at so many of the people that are, how is it that the end of chapter three said it? The lame and the scattered and the disgraced and those that are suffering reproach. It's like in a world where the worldly systems are pumping themselves up so much and it just seems like, man, all of the wickedness and the greed and the everything that's getting pumped through that and the immorality and the going after other gods, whether it's by name or by action or whatever those things look like. And it can seem like it seem like there's no place to fit in, you know, for people that mm-hmm. are turning to God and just like, where do I go in this world? Like, I don't want any of that stuff. And even as like, I'm trying to turn more towards God and just like, I'm suffering reproach, right? I'm getting disgraced by people. Like, I just don't want any of that stuff. And I'm getting mocked for it and being told that I'm all kinds of horrible things for it. And it's like, I just don't. And the hope there that God's giving me is like, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to restore you. Like, that it is that thing on both sides. So we're just like, I can trust God. It's like, how would I say it? I guess, do I want to end with the happier thing or the harder thing? I'll end with the happier thing. So I'll, I'll trust God that like, for as much as it just struggles, honestly, for me sometimes to look at it, that like he will judge wickedness. Mm-hmm. And however that comes out in the earthly realm of things, again, like how many times has he told us, right? Right. So to look at things that are wicked and look at systems that are outside of my control and for how much I, like me personally, I'm like, I want to make that stop. I can trust that like God has a handle on that. Mm-hmm. He is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign. He has the keys to everything in his hand right he defeated death even so it's like i can trust jesus 
to handle things on the worldly sphere and what's going on and to judge rightly. But then there's also a place for me that like, honestly, in the world, I feel like I don't belong sometimes Mm -hmm. to what's going on. And I guess that'll be my pitch for join a local church. Yeah. Because it's filled with people who feel that way in some way or another. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's been called out from that, that know the experiences of going through this earth and just being foreigners, being sojourners, being travelers here, but being able to find the truths and the hope of like, man, when you come together into God's kingdom, where, how did that verse say it? Where he brings you home. He brings you home and the Lord is among you. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't feel really at home in any earthly nation. I enjoy a lot of stuff. I want to go see the world and all of God's creation. That's not all that's cool. But when I realize that I belong to God's kingdom and Jesus is the king and he's among me in that place. I, I like that ending too with the, he'll bring you home. As you were talking about that, that's the part that stood out to me because, yeah, if we don't feel like we shouldn't feel at home here. At home, you're comfortable. You settle in. Well, at home, you look like all of these Israelites yeah. that are going to get judged for their stuff, right? Right. Like, yeah, and and that's like my point. Like, if if we consider this world our home, then we're cozied in, we're settled into it, and we're just kind of in it. Like, uh, we act like it. Like mm-hmm. how the Israelites, you couldn't tell the difference between the Israelites and the nations at one point because they just started becoming part of the world instead of trying to flip it to where the world became part of us. But uh, here, like, there's so many things where Paul calls us ambassadors and, you know, this isn't home um, because we're not called to act like this is home. Mm-hmm. At home, I can be free to be me, right? And not, not in the sense, like, you just be whoever you want, but, like, you be who God's called you to be, right? right? Uh, but at home, I'm comfortable. I could do the weird things with my kids that they only get to see, or I could just really let my guard down. Uh, you get all those freedoms at home. Mm-hmm. And when you're at home with God in a relationship with Him, we get those things, and, and we get to have that relationship where we're exposed, where we're free. We could be honest with Him. We could be completely raw with what we're going through. And He's like, "Yeah, I love you." Yeah. Because all I wanted was you, uh, and now you're home. And this is the the, the uh, prodigal son, right? It was like as he went through all the filth, and when he returned home. The dad didn't like, what have you been through? What have you done? He just embraced him and said, you're home. Yep. That's all that matters. Let's celebrate. So I think for me, even though it wouldn't read like that, that's for me what I walk away with is just like for all of the scariness sounding of everything, Mm -hmm. like there was still that call for repentance and then there's still that hope. And for me, that's what that is. Just like, no, no, no. This is what that is. If you come out of that, here's why. Mm -hmm. Like it's not to avoid the past. It's not for anything, but it's like, look at what home is with yeah. me so really looking at that aspect yeah zephaniah zephaniah cool book cool little book yeah it's a fun one all right i'm chris i'm your we are your church friends thanks for listening hey church friends we would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show we really do appreciate every single one of you and really if you have any questions if you need prayer if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we've covered please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. (laughs) Also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. 
And remember, Your Church Friends podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right, because we rocks. Abaka, Nahum, Obadiah. Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amos, 